0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM.
1: Living God, speak through me. Think through my mind. Speak, right? Give me the tongue of a pen of a ready writer. I thank you. I speak not as a mere man, but I speak as the mouthpiece of God to this people and to the people that you have drawn to hear this ministry. Father, I thank you, for, Father, for holy boldness. Baptize me afresh with boldness from on high. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. For it's with fear and trembling, I stand before your people. And Father, giving them the word that you've given me, I thank you, Father. I yield to you, Spirit of God. He can do whatever he desires. For I am the clay and you are the potter. Do what you want to do be god to your people set your people free bring understanding and revelation bring healing to their bodies bring um peace to their souls thank you father cleansing their hearts and cleansing their hands thank you father we yield to the spirit of the living god he who is greater in us than he that is in the world for we are in this world for he is the great he's greater than us he's greater than the devil he's greater than false teachers and false prophets father we have no reason to fear for we walk with you for you told us in your word over and over again to fear not for you did not give us the spirit of fear uh, uh, uh to be in uh timid But you've given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And Father, we employ the mind of Christ today. We thank you, Father. I yield my mind to righteousness. I yield my mouth to righteousness. I yield my existence to righteousness. For it is in righteousness that you are pleased. The righteousness of Christ Thank you, Father. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may become righteous in him. And today we do not sit and stand as mere men and women, but we are sanctified and set apart for God. Thank you, Father, for your holiness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the spirit of holiness that's upon us and in us. Thank you, Father, pure for our hearts, that we may be pleasing in your sight. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us through your word, for your word is holy. Pray this prayer. Say, Father, grant unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of my understanding may be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance In the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards me who believe. Thank you, Father. Father, I ask you to give me utterance. I connect my tongue with my spirit, and I speak forth your word. Thank you for the gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go to the scriptures. I'm not going to be able to finish today. Give you a heads up. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to finish today. So this is going to be a series, which I wasn't planning on doing. Um, Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. We're talking about today purifying the heart. Purifying the heart. I wanted to talk about unforgiveness. I was planning on talking about unforgiveness. um, But um, the Lord stared in my heart to talk about purifying the heart. I mean, God wants us to have a pure heart. Amen. Um, The heart is is important. A pure heart isn't automatically given to us. We have to develop it through God's grace, through the means of grace, which is his word and prayer and um, somewhat of fasting. And so this week I was praying, and I was mainly praying in the spirit. Um, You know, you can pray in the spirit both in your native tongue, and in other tongues so i don't want you to limit praying in the spirit to only praying in tongues but also praying in um, with your native tongue whether it's be you know english or portuguese whatnot. not so praying in the spirit is so important and you can actually pray in tongues in the flesh i've said that before it's possible for you to pray in tongues in the flesh and yet still be edified. It's a, it's, it's a mystery. Um, one way you can pray, pray in tongues in the flesh is you can be um, at, a, at a meeting and you get up or you all of a sudden bust out in tongues and, you know, nobody's understanding you. We can be in a service and somebody can pop up and just start speaking in a tongue and nobody's getting edified but that person. So that's one way you can pray in the spirit in the flesh or pray in other tongues in the flesh. And there's something to it. I've been trying to master this. Um, Kenneth E. Hagen talked about how, you know, th- sometimes you can pray in the spirit, let's say 45 minutes or an hour, and you're still not in the spirit. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you're just praying in tongues, but it's st- you're still not in the spirit. And if you keep at it, at one point, you can actually pray, get in the spirit. And then there, there are things, the Lord spoke to us this week as we were praying. There, you can, when you pray in the spirit and get in the spirit while you're praying in the spirit, you will accomplish more in those moments than you could if you're praying in tongues for a lifetime. So there is a power of getting in the spirit. Um, Apostle John said that I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So you can get in the spirit and and even when you're praying in English or your native tongue, you get in the spirit, you connect your tongue to your spirit and you begin to speak forth, praying out the plans and the purposes of God for your life and for this world. And, And how many know that God wants to pray, wants us to pray not just about our needs, not just about our church, but also about his master plan in the world. God has a plan in this world, and we need to connect to God to pray out his plan. Before we can walk out the plan, we got to pray it out. And it's not just praying in tongues. Sometimes people just pray in tongues out of their flesh, and they're, they're not ever getting in the spirit. There is a way to get in the spirit. And there's another realm of prayer. There's another realm of walking that most Christians have not even tapped into. We tap into it a, a little bit. That said, I'm not, don't, I'm not discouraging you to, from praying in tongues. Like I'm not in the spirit, so I'm not gonna pray in tongues. But you'll never get in the spirit then. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a doorway into the supernatural. But you don't stop there. You, you, you want to you pray with God, even in your native tongue. If you, if you, only time you pray and you pray from your mind and your emotions, you are you limiting the spirit of God. And let's just let's take a detour from Jeremiah. 17. And let's go over to Romans 8. Romans 8. And I I wasn't planning on talking about this, but uh, we, we need to take heed to it. Verse 26, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, what spirit? The Holy Spirit. There are many spirits in this world, but the Holy Spirit is who we are connected with. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And yet he searches, he, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so if you begin to pray in the spirit and pray in other tongues and pray in your native tongue with the Holy Spirit in sync with the spirit of God, he'll start praying out God's will for your life. There, the will of God is not automatic, but you have to pursue it. You have to be open to it. You can just, you could get stuck in a rut, in a rut and and just never progress spiritually. There are some people who just don't progress in their prayer life, don't progress. I, how dare us to study the Bible without the Holy Spirit? We need him to study him. We need him to walk with him. You can't walk God, with God without him. And some have tried to do this Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And so when I was this week was praying in the Spirit, By the inspiration of the Spirit, and I got in the Spirit, I found myself praying these things. I was praying this, never heard it, never read about it, never thought about it, never heard it. I've heard thousands of sermons, read lots and lots of books, but had lots and lots of discussions, but never thought about this in a million years. And this is what I pray. Well, last week, well, a couple, a few weeks ago, I prayed, Holy Spirit. Help me to produce works that will endure Jesus's fire. We should pray that. We're going to be judged. And our works will be go through a testing. And whatever is found after the fire of the Lord, that's what we'll be rewarded for. All right. So so think about that as, as I give you what the Spirit of God gave me. I start praying, Lord, sanctify my heart. Lord, sanctify my desires. And then I then I went Psalm 51, purge me with hyssop. And I began to repeat these phrases in prayer this this week. Sanctify my heart. Sanctify my desires. Purge me with hyssop. And then I took it further. And this wasn't necessarily the Spirit of God given to me, but sanctify my mind. And the word sanctified means to be set apart. And sometimes your heart can be divided. You can be divided in things uh, of this world. And so we need a sanctified heart. We need sanctified desires. You can desire something in it, not be God. And yet it's not bad. Right, right. Amen. Amen. So we, we need Sanctify hearts, and we need sanctified desires, and we need the Lord to purge us with hyssop. If you know me, I didn't know what hyssop was. I heard it all my life. There's a song I grew up with um, by John P. Key uh, called Wash Me and and he he talked about it reminded me of the Psalm 51, Purge Me with Hyssop. And I and, am just like, what is hyssop? hyssop it just sounds like mister, mystic, you know, mystic. But I just looked it up. It's just a plant used in ritual for like some type of ceremonial cleansing, cleansing and, and atonement. And in the old testament, um, they would use it to sprinkle blood on the doorposts, especially during the time of of deliverance of God's people and the death angel. And it was a way in which God used to cleanse something, just a ritual. And so me thinking is why am I praying something that was used as a ceremonial ritual for a New Testament saint um, Purge me with hyssop. But then I, as I looked at Psalm 51, I realize it it, it goes beyond just that ceremonial ritual, but it has to do with something of the heart, which we'll see in a minute in James chapter four. And so we we know that there is a a purging that God wants to do in our hearts and our desires. Again, you can have wrongful desires. So this message was birthed out of that time of prayer. Now go with me to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. Thank you, Lord. God is good and his word is is faithful. So Jeremiah 17, verse nine, the heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately sick, who can understand it? The heart outside of Christ is wicked. You cannot trust it. You cannot depend on your heart outside of Christ. You You cannot trust your flesh as far as you can throw it. How many ever tried to throw your flesh? But you you can't trust your flesh. The flesh is a mess. The The flesh is not reliable. You cannot trust your flesh. And you cannot trust your heart outside of God. You cannot trust your conscience outside of God. You cannot trust your own desires outside of God. God's judgment to people is to give them what they want. We do not want everything that is godly. Sometimes, as 1 Peter says, we desire things that are not in sync with the word of God. Don't look at me in that religious mindset. (laughs) Like you always desire things that's from the spirit of God. We need God to purify our hearts. We need to purify our hearts. And so our hearts... The Bible says the heart is wicked. Who can trust the heart? It is it is um, deceitful. Your heart will deceive you. Um, Sometimes when the Bible uses the word heart, it refers to our spirits. Other times it speaks about our motives, our desires, and even our souls. So it's not just talking about our spirit. Sometimes it refers to our spirit, and if you've been born again, you can trust your spirit. But but sometimes it, it deals with the soulless realm of humanity. Other times it refers to the flesh. It all depends on the context, right? Context is king, right? (laughs) So we don't interpret scriptures based on our experiences, but we interpret scriptures based on other scriptures. We interpret scriptures in light of the spirit of God leading and guiding us. And so to interpret the heart You have to look at the context of the passage in order to determine whether it's the spirit of man or the soul of man or the flesh of man or dealing with the desires of man. And so we have to do that. And so Ezekiel 26, 36, let's go over there. Ezekiel 36, purifying the heart. There's some who don't believe that the heart, after you get born again, your heart doesn't need to be purified. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 says this, and I will give you a new heart. Everybody say a new heart. And I will give you a new spirit and I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. So we see here that God promised to give us a new heart. Everybody say a new heart. And so when we get born again, God gives us a new heart. But even within the new creation, we still have to deal with our sinful nature. You'll never be free from your sinful nature until you die and go to be with the Lord. So today I want to speak about the heart. I'm I'm talking about the core of who we are. It, It might include our spirits. But it's all of us, and so let's go to Deuteronomy chapter six, and I'm just gonna take my time. Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, and, and verses four through seven says this. This is a powerful passage. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. How <laughs> I many know the Lord is one? There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God." And yet, there, there is three persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You should love the Lord your God with all your what, with all your, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in be on your heart. So we see from the scripture, uh, God is speaking to His people in the Old Testament. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart. Some of us give our hearts. We give part of our hearts to the Lord. We don't give him all of our hearts. How many know that God wants it all? He wants it all. That, that, I remember a song by the Jones family, uh, Forever Jones, is he wants it all. God wants all of us. He, he you know, I heard one prophet say, uh, one man of God, he was a musician. He says, if you can't come to me every day, then don't come at all. God wants all of your heart. And we practice giving God part of our hearts. We practice, you know, even in Ephesians chapter three, the the scripture says, I pray that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. In other words, that Christ will be the only one who is throne of your, on your heart. There's sometimes we have other things on our hearts. We have other desires. And we only, we, the the Lord wants to be the only one who's the throne of our hearts. He wants to be, he was, he wants to dethrone self. He wants to dethrone flesh. He wants to throne himself on our hearts, even as a Christian. There's some Christians who don't have Jesus as the Lord of their hearts. And if he he has your heart, he has your life. Whatever, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And so God looks at the heart in a way that's different. And as, as God was selecting a king for Israel, he looked at the heart. Man looks on the outside, but God sees the heart. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. And so we need to have hearts for God, amen? Um, he doesn't even want you to love him unless he, you love him with all your heart. You can't love him right until you love him with all your heart. You can't even be right in his sight. Um, of course, faith in Christ and receiving that righteousness, but, but in to, order to please him, he wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants your mind. He wants your strength. He wants every part of us, every fiber of our being. And in Proverbs 3, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust him partly, but trust him with all your heart. God loves a cheerful giver that deals with the heart. The tithing issue is a heart issue. It's an honoring situation. I don't want to tithe. I don't believe that's the Old Old Testament. I mean, the least we should do is 10%. And that's why you don't see the New Testament really building upon, I mean, really mentioning the tithe because it was assumed that everybody understood that the tithe started at, I mean, the giving started at 10%. People want to talk about grace giving and, and about much of that is baloney. It really isn't that grace giving. It's just they choose not to want to do it. People are talking about the tithe is binding people and putting them under the law. No, you just don't want to do what God calls you to do. That's the bottom line. It's a heart issue. It's an honor position. You know, some of us, we don't honor the Lord with our money. We don't honor the Lord with our bodies. We don't honor the Lord with our minds. He wants every part of us. Amen. Matthew 22, verse 37, if you're taking notes, uh, we don't have time to go over there, but it talks about to love the Lord your God with all your, you know, they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Luke adds strength to it. He says, heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that just speaks of every part of our being. We should love him. Every part of our being to love the Lord our, with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, with our strength, with our bodies. I mean, no, that's what God is calling us to do. So we're talking about purifying the heart. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to James chapter four. It's it's hot up in here. I do not want to go to hell. Hell is hot. (laughs) And um, if I can't deal with the heat that's in Jersey, then I definitely can't deal with the heat in hell. James chapter four, verses one through three, let's talk about this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians. He says, James, he, James actually knows the answers to the questions he's asking and he wants them to realize what's causing the strife, what's causing fightings. James is going after the source. You can put a group of people together unless they are living by faith and governed by their faith and the word of God and the spirit, you will have an inward war going on. The human nature is sinful and cannot be controlled unless the word of God through the Holy Spirit puts it in line. There's a war within believers. There's a war. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you have arrived to perfection. You have a right to complete sanctification. Sanctification is instant, and yet it is a process. It takes a journey to becoming more like Jesus. You're saved, your spirit is saved, your soul has been saved, and your body shall be saved. And so it's salvation in three tenses, past, present, and future. And sometimes people don't progress the Bible talks about you were saved. The Bible talks about being saved. And the Bible talks about we shall be saved. Spirit, soul, and body. James 1 talks about receiving the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls, which speaks of our wills. Every day you got to practice giving your will to Him. Your, your will is not automatically saved. Sometimes you have a will that is Antichrist. And then even, as, even though you have Christ inside, that will will buck against the will of God. And so you got to sanctify your will, sanctify your mind, sanctify your tongue. That's one of the reasons why he gave us the baptism of the Holy Spirit to sanctify our tongues. We don't speak well. We don't speak right. We speak doubt and unbelief. And we, we, we come against that which God has made. You know, um, uh, recently I was telling people, "Oh, my wife can—I'll preach me any day." And Holy Spirit convicted me. Says, "No, don't stop saying that, because that's creating something inside of you." Who are we to come against God's workmanship in Christ Jesus? who are we? We are, we were created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so if he's called us to good works and if I do my good works, it doesn't matter if somebody has more gifts than me or more abilities than me that I'm pleasing in his sight because I'm doing good works according to what he's made me to be. Amen. So I will never down my downplay my gifts anymore. Amen. And when you do, you're downplaying God's grace on your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so we we are we're called. There's a war within us. Sometimes we talk about spiritual warfare, and a lot of that stuff is flaky and unscriptural. Uh, they they do all kinds of stuff in the name of spiritual warfare, and, and when when the strongholds is not necessary over the the cities, it's inside of us. That's where the strongholds are. It's not. Let me take authority over the the spirit over this city and over the spirit uh, uh, of the city of Perth and Boy. No, let's take authority over this stuff. That's where the warfare is. It's on the inside. The Bible tells us to pull down strongholds, ways of thinking that is unbiblical. That's talking about the mind of the believer going after things the way that we think. We don't think right. We don't talk right. We don't believe right. And we got to change all of it. Purifying the heart. Amen. There's a war going on and you have to fight in this war every day. You got to fight against pride. Sometimes people talk about, I never forget. Oh, I cast out. Somebody was laying hands on me when I was a teenager. I cast out the spirit of pride. You can't cast pride out. Pride is something you deal with every single day. Yeah, it may be a spirit, but it's a way of thinking yeah. that has to be crucified, that has to be purified through the word and the spirit of God. You can't cast out something that 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 is in that's innate in a, inside of us that we receive a, a, at the disobedience of Adam. Right. Uh, we receive the nature of Satan at the fall. Yeah. And we got to we got to deal with that nature, even though we're born again. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. So you have to choose to live by faith and allow the word of God to be your source of living. Yes. How many you know that there's a war, there's a fight for your time in the word? Yes. The, devil, the devil lets you listen to podcasts. The devil lets you let's listen to praise and worship. I mean, recently, you know, I come to church a lot and pray and, and I love the little praise and worship, the little, I'm not gonna mention the groups, but different groups and whatnot. And, and, and they, you know, they sing these wonderful songs and the Holy Ghost told me, turn it, turn it off. What? Turn it off because it's their word, their hearts, from their hearts to me and not your heart and my, your words to me. They're singing based on their hearts and not yours. Yeah. And so sometimes we misinterpret that we're worshiping God because we're listening to worship music. It doesn't mean that we're worshiping. We, we can fall into the, the false um, concept and the false ideology that we're worshiping God because we like worship music. No, we like what it produces. But we don't like the change because when you really worship, it's going to cost you your flesh. It's, it's, it's hard on the flesh to walk, uh, you know, even 15 minutes. Lord, I love you. I worship you. And you are thinking about what you're going to eat. You think about your last post. You think about somebody texting you. You think about all the things that you're doing. It's going to cost you. It's easy to put on some wonderful music that soothes the soul. But don't deal with on the inside. It's not my words. That's the words of somebody else. And some of it's from the heart, some of it's from the soul, some of it's from the flesh. But, but we need to worship God Himself without our words, Lord. He wants our worship. He, he doesn't want these other people's worship. He, I'm not saying, I'm not preaching against worship music. You understand that. Get the spirit behind it. I'm not saying don't listen to it. It's better than listen to Lil Wayne. <laughs> you know, it's, it's better than listen to all these other pe- artists. But I'm talking about worshiping God yourself. God, I worship you and I, I praise you. I thank you, Father. I give Your name glory and honor, God. I thank You. I, I hallow Your name. I speak well, and when Your mind goes off, You bring that mind back, and He says, "No, I'm going to think about what I'm saying. I'm going to mean what I say." Oh, God, I love You. I worship You, Jesus. I give You glory. I'm everything that I am into what I'm saying. That's what, that's how you get in the spirit. You worship in spirit. And in truth, it's not just you pulling some words. Thank you, Jesus. Thank You, you ever seen somebody pray or hear somebody pray or, or worship, and it's just, it's, 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 it's not real. It's just like Trump, it's just, they just, they're, they're parrot. They're just, you know, saying words, but there's no life in it. There's no love from it. There's not from the heart. Amen. And so uh, we got to fight for the time and the word. Uh, Mark chapter four, verse 15. Let's go over there. We're talking about purifying the heart. Mark chapter four. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mark chapter four, let's look at verse 15. And it says this, it says, and these are the the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in in them. So the Bible tells us that Satan comes immediately. Not not later, immediately. Um, Satan could care less if you go to church. He doesn't want the word of God to get in you. He'll let you go to a church where it's, it's, it's focused on praise and worship or focused on uh, something other than the word. I mean, you know, the word is the most important thing. And, and, and we can sing songs to tracks, but it's the word of God. You become a threat to Satan and his kingdom when the word of God enters in your heart. And so your, the word that you hear will be tested. Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, get wisdom and get understanding. And all you're getting, get understanding. And says, as the word of God enters into your heart, ask the Lord to give you some wisdom and understanding. And the way that Satan gets the word is the lack of understanding. Yes. When you don't understand the word, ignorance is where he reigns. He says, you, you have, um, my people are perishing for the lack of knowledge. And then it goes on and says, not because they are not getting the knowledge, because they have rejected it. So we perish from rejecting the word. Each time that you go a day without the word, you reading the word, studying the word, memorizing the word, speaking the word, you are rejecting the words. Each day that you go without being in the word, you are rejecting the word. Therefore, you're rejecting your sanctification and the purification of your heart. Your heart will not be cleansed if you don't get the word in you. You can be in an environment conducive for the cleansing of your heart, but you got to get that word in you. Just like taking a shower, how I mean, you know, many people? Some people take showers, but they don't put soap on or body wash. Uh, they they don't have a face cloth or a washcloth, and and they're not washing things. And so, the, to purify your heart, you got to take that word, and you got to let that word cleanse you from the inside. You got to cleanse that heart. You got to cleanse that mind. Your mind ain't right. I I didn't say ain't. Your mind ain't right. (laughs) You got to get your mind right. Most Christians are living life like this is their only home. But heaven is our home and earth is our assignment. And we're passing through like pilgrims. We are in a a strange land. We got to get that word in us so that we can make sure that we're walking the right path and not getting twisted and distracted on these other things. It's the desires of the, and the will of the father that, that, that God is pleased in if we're going after his will. And you can't tell me you're going after his will and you're not in the word. <laughs> you're fooling yourself. You should be reading the Bible every day. Don't just stop at reading, but dive into understanding. Every day you should be feeding your spirit the word of God. Th- this is the only way you're gonna win this war this war that James talks about in James chapter four, that there's a war within the believer. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers. When when you're praying and when you're praying Ephesians one prayer, 17 through 19, um, when you pray in Colossians one, nine through 14, you're praying for that spirit of wisdom and revelation of the word. I challenge you to pray before you read the word because you just don't want to read the book, word as a regular book, but you want to read it with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not inside of you to, to travel through this life as a hitchhiker. He's there to do something in you. Most of us, we just have him on the inside and he doesn't ever go to work for us. Uh, you know, we may shumb a little bit and and we may re- rejoice and sense his presence every once in a while, but there's more to God, the Holy Spirit, than goosebumps. There's more to the Holy Ghost than courtesy drops and being slain in the spirit. There's more to the Holy Ghost than speaking in tongues every now and then. He is a person. He is not tongues. He is a person. And he lives on the side of the believer and he wants to go to work for you. He wants to lead you and guide you. He wants to give you wisdom of his word. He wants to tell you about the future that you have in Christ. He wants to deal with that heart. More so than your money, he wants to deal with the heart. Because if he gets your heart, he gets your money. He'll get you the money. He'll get you the wisdom for your family and for your business and for your education, for your singleness. If, If he'll get your heart, he'll get your life. But some of us haven't given given him our hearts. So the Holy Ghost is on the inside of us and we got to release him. We got to allow him to teach us and take us into his classroom. There's some things that he wants to teach you, but he's not going to teach you if you don't give him the word. You got to give him something to use. The word of God is materials in which he uses to teach us. Amen. I'm convinced People pray in tongues a lot and they don't get in the word. I believe that the Holy Spirit is praying. This is his number one prayer. Lord, let them have a desire for the word. God, let them let them realize that I don't move unless I have the word on it. Just like in the beginning of Genesis, in the beginning of creation, the Bible says the Spirit of God was waiting. And when the Father spoke, that's when he moved. Yeah. And the Bible says in Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So he needs the word to move on, to, the word to move on your life and move in your life. It's too much prayer, no words. You, you're going to, you're going to blow up <laughs> and too much word without prayer. You're going to dry up. You need both. You need both. You need both. You need it both. We don't need just the law, but we need the spirit of the law. We just don't want to know the theology behind the Bible, but we want to know the God behind the Bible. We don't want to know the divine author. Thank you, Lord. So it's time to let the Holy Ghost loose in your life. I dare you. This week, to trust him to move in your heart and move in your life. Don't sit back and just let him, oh, I feel with the spirit. You know, that word feel is being filled, continuously being filled with the spirit. We need to be filled every day. Some of us are filled with flesh and filled with movies and filled with jokes and filled with doubt and unbelief. We feel with fear, but he wants to do more. He he wants to go after that heart. If he gets your heart, he'll get your life. This is why Paul prayed that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That Christ will be the only one that is enthroned on your heart. Oh, let, let Christ be the center of your heart. Not just first in your life, but the center of your life. Being first, you get him first, and then you forget everything else. But you make him the center. Everything in him I live and move him, my existence. It's, it's, it's through everything I look through the lens of him when he's at the center. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to take you to school. He wants to teach you some things about the Father and the Son and about your place in the kingdom. This, is, this will cause you to have a purified heart. The war has already been won by Jesus. We just have to enforce the defeat of an ungodly heart. Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Purifying the heart. Even as a Christian, we're not okay. We're not. Yes, you positionally, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. But functionally, you may be the unrighteousness of Satan disobedience, acting like you don't even know him. There are things named among us. We talk like unbelievers. We think like unbelievers. We're entertained like unbelievers. I'm talking to myself. Uh, uh, We listen to music that speaks of unbelief. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 8, let's look at verses 3 and 4. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, it says this, for God has done with the law, weakened by the flesh and could not do, but by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, for he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walked not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Jump down to verse 13, verse 13. It says this, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will what? So that's talking about believers. Believers will experience death in a way that God never intended for them to experience if they live according to their flesh, if they're governed according to their desires, the desires of this world, the desires for other things. The the word of God will start working in you if you desire other things, according to Mark 4. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so it is through, and King James says, and I got it right here. King James actually says to mortify, put to death the deeds of the body. You got to kill the things of the flesh through the spirit, not by your own efforts. You got to give the Holy Spirit, give yourself over to the Holy Spirit through prayer specifically praying in the other other tongues and through meditating the word of God. When you pray in the spirit and you get the word together, it makes a powerful force that causes us to be like the image of Jesus. The word and the spirit will produce the same results, making us more and more like Jesus. Don't allow the flesh to win. Let's go back to James chapter four, verse one. I'm almost finished. James chapter four, verse one. It talks about what causes quarrels and 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 call, what causes fights among you. It, it is not this that your passion, it is not this that your passions are at war within you. So James is saying that the lusts or the passions within us are are the, really the roots the root cause of the war. That that which you desire that isn't in line with the word of God. The passions that are above God's word. Mark four nineteen says. Let's go over there. I, sometimes I do a disservice to you by not allowing you to see it. When you see it and, and not just hear it only, it has a greater registration on your spirit. When you see it and you hear it, then it does something greater than just hearing it. It says, verse 19, Mark chapter 4, verse 19, but the cares of the world. And the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. So that even as a Christian, you can choke the word of God out of your life. Even as a Christian, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Even because you're righteous in Christ, you still can grieve the Holy Spirit. You still can allow the desires for other things to choke the word of God from working in your life, even as a believer. There are things that we desire. There's the deceitfulness of riches. There's worrying and doubts and and, and, and being anxious. All that stuff will choke God's word from working in your life. That's a warning. That's a warning. We, 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 We gotta be careful what we desire. This is why the spirit of God had me pray this week, sanctify my desires. Set apart my desires. Maybe my desire is not in the will of God. I want to do this PhD, but is it in the will of God? I want to take this job to get out of debt, but is it in the will of God? I want to marry this person, but is it in the will of God? Uh, I, I, I want to move to this particular place. Is it in the will of God? Are we desiring things that we have not consulted with the Lord about? Have we checked with him to see if it's okay? Desires are the result of what's in, in you in abundance. Let me say that again. This is worth you driving across town an hour or some change away. Desires are the result of what's in you in abundance. What you hear, what you see what's going through your mind enters into your spirit and what you give attention to will make priority and make priority will give you, give, will get you in abundance of that. What you, what your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your mind, things will enter into your spirit, enter into your soul, enter into your heart. What you give attention to and make priority will get in you in abundance. What you see, what you hear, what you say, what you give attention to, what you, what you make priority will be in you in abundance. Mm. Will be in you in abundance. And, and the Bible says, you, we can know what's in the heart of man because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can only speak what's in your heart. Faith, only, faith has to be in your heart, in your mouth to, for it to work. You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And so the desires of your heart It's the result of what you pay attention to, give give yourself over to. Colossians 3.16. Go over there real quick. Colossians 3.16. I think I got one more scripture and we'll stop for the day. Colossians chapter three. We're talking about purifying the heart. I I haven't even got to where we need to purify our hearts. Um, Colossians chapter three. Look at verse 16. It says this. Let the word of Christ, let's start with verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Some of us got a low level of word in us. Um, Some of us, we, we are at poverty level when it comes to the word of God. It's not the word that you memorize, it's the word that you live. The Bible says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it'll be done for you. And so here the scripture tells us that we need to have an abundance of the word. Then we can ask and then we'll get. But what happens is that we don't, how do you know that his word is abiding in us? I want to submit to you, the word abiding in us to the degree that we're living it. It's not the word that you know mentally, or you can quote all kinds of scriptures, but it's the word that you live. If you live in it, then that word is abundance. It's abundance. That the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Teaching and admonishing one another in a wisdom and all wisdom, singing and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. And it says, whatever you do, do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And so, this scripture tells us that we need to—it's it's challenging us, letting that word. Are you empty, half full, or full to overflowing? You determine how much word this in your life. Some people want to talk about the sovereignty of God and they want to blame God and give it, put it all on God. It says, Oh God, you know, God, God does not determine your word level. (laughs) Oh man, that's good news. Uh, God does not determine how much you are filled with the spirit. Ephesians five verse 18, it says be filled with the spirit. So let's go over there real quick. (laughs) Let me stop saying real quick. Let's go over there. (laughs) Ephesians chapter five verse 18, it says, do not get drunk with wine." For that is debauchery. I noticed that sometimes people will preach against speaking in tongues, but yet they're smoking and yet they're drinking. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in Psalms. Notice that in Ephesians, he is telling them to be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians, he's telling them to be filled with the Word. And yet it's producing the same results. The Word and the Spirit together. So we need to be filled with the Word. And filled with the Spirit. Amen. And so the scripture tells: so God doesn't determine how much you're filled with the Spirit. Just like He doesn't determine how much you're filled with the Word. We can be you can have as much as much as God as you want. James chapter 4, verse 8 says that um, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. You can have as much as much of God as you want. So, whatever amount of God you have in your life, that's how much of God you want in your life. Right. Wow. 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 <laughs> I'll see y'all later. I'm going to pray. I got to get in the word. As much, how much, much of God you have in your life is how much you desire. That's right. oh, because he gave you the promise draw close to him, yes. and he'll draw close to you. Yes. You are the determining factor. You sow to the spirit, keep sowing you sow to the flesh, you keep sowing. You're going to reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. I I want to sow more into the spirit. All my praying is not in vain. All my in the word is not in vain. All my testifying is not in vain. All my giving is not in vain. Everything I do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in word or deed, if I do it with my heart, it's not in vain. But it's up the road in eternal gain. I'm living to live again, and I'm sowing for the other life. Not only here, I'm going to reap, but also I'm going to reap in an eternal life. Amen. You can have as much God as you want. Purify the heart. Go after him with everything within you. Do not die with only having a little bit of God. Do not leave your children with a half Christian legacy. Set a standard. Set a pattern. The Bible says, be an example. That word example is is pattern. And I remember as a little boy, my mom used to sew. I didn't know she Uh, sewed. She used to sew. And I remember just being a little kid. And I remember she had these little patterns. She had the cloth and then she had a little pattern and she would follow the little pattern. That scripture in Timothy says, be an example in such a way that you are a pattern for others to follow. You are an example. You are, you are the standard. Jesus is the standard. But because you follow following wholeheartedly after him, you are an example that people can follow you as, as you follow Christ. I almost finished. So you determine your relationship and your fellowship with Father God. Actually, he determines the relationship, you determine the fellowship. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful who's called us into fellowship with his son. Relationship is a matter of birth. Fellowship is a matter of choice. So you're born into the family because you receive Jesus. So he determines your relationship and you determine your fellowship. What is a fellowship? Fellowship is two fellows who decide to be on the same ship because they want to. You decide to be with God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. If you go, we're going to have a pure heart, then we're going to have to fill ourselves up with the word of God and pursue a continuous refilling of the spirit. Fill me again and again every day. One of your prayers should be, Lord, fill me with your spirit. You know, I've been filled with my flesh, filled with anger, filled with jealousy, filled with lustful things. I need to be filled with your spirit. So fill me with your spirit. Not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit only. That's the beginning. I want to be filled with his spirit. So that means if I'm filled, I'm going to have a song in my heart. I'm going to have praises on my lips. I'm going to have a dance in my legs. There's something different when I have the feeling of the spirit. Um, There's a joy that is undeniable and inexpressible. Despite what I'm going through, I can be filled with the spirit. Amen. I can be filled with the spirit and going through hell. Oh God, I can give. And and when when you're filled with the spirit, you give thanksgiving. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything. I'm giving thanks, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I may not have what I want, but I I thank you what you already provided me with. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for joy. Thank you for peace. Thank you for love. God, I, I may feel all the hate around me, but I got your love. And if God loves me, nothing can separate me from that love. I can't be separated. Nothing can stop him from loving on me. Every day he greets me with some mercy. Every day there's goodness and, and mercy following me all the days of my life. I got goodness behind me and I got some mercy. And I can come th- boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. I got all the help that I need. He's big on the inside of me. Let me let, me let y'all go in a minute. Uh, um, um, it's James chapter 4 verse 2. Let's go real quick. Real quick, and then we'll, we'll end with this, I think. <laughs> James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Let's look at verse 2. It says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And you do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask. Your desire, you desire and do not have. This is not only dealing with killing but it's also dealing with the, the battles and wars within. They may, you, it's possible to have a, a spirit of murder, which is anger or dissatisfaction. Just because you desire something doesn't mean that you will get it. Desire does not determine fulfillment. The Lord doesn't always grant you your desires. Our desires must line up with his plan and his word. Don't believe the hype just because you desire it do not mean that you're going to get it. Desire is the result of what you feed on. <clears throat> Psalm 30, 37 verse 4. And I think this is it. Psalm 37 verse 4. Psalm 37 verse 4. Familiar passage. Talking about purifying the heart. Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When the Lord is your delight, then you will notice there will be surgery in your heart. He'll remove the desires that shouldn't be there and give you the right desires. The problem is that people do not delight a lot in the Lord. Do you delight in him? Do you make him first and center? Are you teachable before him? Have you humbled yourself in prayer and submission to the word? Do you look to the word as your source of your faith? So, to delight, it actually is not just like be happy in the Lord. It actually means to be um, like putty in the hands of the master. That's in Hebrew, it's like putty, it's like a clay. Let's go. I, see, I lied. This, this probably is the, it. Jeremiah 18, 18, Jeremiah 18. And let's look at verse 1 through 3, 4, or 5. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will, I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his will. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. So he, re- he reworked it into another vessel as it, seemed ple- as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. So the light means to be like the potter, like the clay in the potter's hand. Get in his presence. Put yourself on the will of his potter. Get in his presence and allow him to put desires in your heart. Sanctify my desires. Purify my heart. He is the potter and we are the clay. Our heart will not only be pure if we allow the Lord through his word and his spirit to do the work, but God will begin to work his will in us. Let's stop there. He is the potter and we're the clay. We need our hearts purified. We don't have the right desires. We need our desires to be realigned with his will. We need our heart to be alignment of the will of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Where's your love? Who do you love? Who do you love? Do you love yourself more than you love the Lord? Do you love other things more than you love the Lord? Who do you love? Your heart is in in alignment. Where is your allegiance? Where is your loyalty? Where do you aim your heart at? Do you study the word for mere knowledge? Do you study to know him? Do you pray for your desires to be fulfilled? Or do you pray for his will? Who do you love? Where's your heart? Where is your allegiance? What is purifying your heart? Disobedience do not purify the heart. It actually causes the heart to be hardened. Sin separates. Obedience draw near. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord.
0: That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocos, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to his word. God bless you.